Well, good morning, Bell Shoals family. And uh, those of you who may be here for the very first time, or maybe you're new to Bell Shoals, this is your second or third time visiting, wanna welcome those of you who are joining us online. My name is Corey Abney. I serve as the lead pastor here at Bell Shoals. And next week, we will kick off not just a teaching series, but really an emphasis called Difference Makers, where we will spend four weeks together highlighting some very powerful stories of ordinary people making an extraordinary difference here in West Central Florida, across the country and around the world. And so do not miss Difference Makers coming up over these next four weeks, leading us to Thanksgiving. It's gonna be a very, very powerful time together. I know you'll be greatly encouraged in your faith as we share these stories with you and you see firsthand what it looks like to be a part of a faith family that's making a difference. Also, don't forget that next Sunday after our 11 o'clock service here at the Brandon campus, we're having an interest meeting for our Riverview campus relaunch. And so if you have any interest in being a part of what God is doing in the Riverview community, being a part of our launch headed toward Easter of next year, right after this service in room one of our adult ministry building, we'll have an interest meeting concerning our core group. We'd love to have you be a part of that. And that's gonna be a really great opportunity for you to see firsthand what it's like to be a part of a new work and and uh, to share in our vision called Go 2030, where over the next seven years, we have a goal of launching five new campuses across West Central Florida. So that's coming up next week as we kick off Difference Makers. And then in two weeks, men, for you, we have a men's barbecue event. There will be men and there will be barbecue. I think it's gonna be pretty cool. All right, it's... uh, Maybe I should just say it's going to be barbecue and that would be enough, all right? But uh, hey, it's going to be an awesome time together. We'll be hanging out, playing some games, eating some barbecue. And uh, it's going to be a really awesome time together. So you can register online. Just go to bellshoals.com. And uh, again, that's coming up uh, in two weeks, uh, November the 6th. So don't forget about that. This is uh, just a great time of the year. Awesome opportunities for you to connect, be encouraged in your faith as uh, we are part of a mission and a movement that's changing the world. And over the past couple of weeks, we've been in a teaching series that I'll conclude today called The Frontline Family. We're talking about what it looks like to be on the front line of the current cultural debate that's warring all around us. We've talked about the fact that Bell Shoals is really a family of families and the, the, the front line of, of spiritual defense when it comes to our families is the home. And so we're, we're talking about what it looks like to take a stand, to be on the front line and to defend God's design, to embrace God's design and flourish in God's design and in terms of the family. So we've looked at what it looks like to be a, a man, a husband, a father, what it means to be a woman, a wife, and a mother. And today we'll talk about kind of the family unit in general and in God's design for marriage, family, children. And I, I want you to see today that, that his design is good and that his design includes children and that children are a blessing to us. That being a parent, is uh, one of the greatest privileges in life. And 
And, and maintaining this thing we call family is of critical importance for us because as we lean into God's design for family, for those who are called to marry and those who are able to have children, listen, what we're, what we're gonna see today is that, that these are good things and, and our culture is moving us to a place where, where we see children more as hindrances to our lifestyles than we do blessings to our families. And, and, and so we, we need to think through this and what it actually looks like to be a family that bears the blessing of God. And, um, and, and yeah, without, without a doubt, listen, uh, parenting is the hardest job in the world. <laughs> and for those of you who are parents in the room or you, you plan to be parents in the future, listen, parenting is the hardest job in the world. For those of you who don't yet have children, Biologically, or through adoption or foster care, you know, you're, you're, you're in a life stage where you don't have children yet. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that all of us with children are doing it wrong, right? Like you look at us coming in late to church every single week and you're like, well, when I'm a parent, it ain't gonna be like that. Because my kids are gonna get up at 6 a.m. They're gonna memorize whole books of the Bible in one sitting. They're gonna cook themselves breakfast. They're gonna get dressed, brush their teeth. They're even going to floss. And they're gonna be at church early and the car ride is gonna be majestic and peaceful and we're all gonna agree and we're all gonna sing the same songs, right? We're coming to church singing great spiritual ballads like faithfully by journey, right? Um, things like that, right? And, and, and that's the way it's gonna be. And I know some of you aren't parents yet. You look at the rest of us who are coming in on Sunday morning with our hair on fire, 15 minutes late, if we're lucky, yelling at our children in the car, greeting you in the name of the Holy Spirit with a smile, <laughs> right? And you're like, that's not gonna be me, but I just want you to know it will be you because your day of judgment is coming, <laughs> okay? It will be you <laughs> because parenting is the hardest job in the world. And, and uh, it's, it's just like an overwhelming sense of responsibility, right? And it just kind of hits you day one. I'll never forget when our first was born, our first child's a girl, my, our daughter's born. And, and uh, I bought her because she was born in the dead of winter. She's born two days after Christmas. And, and uh, I'll never forget, I bought her like this huge, like, uh, I don't even know what you call it. It's like a, I don't know, um, like a blanket thing, but you zip it up and I don't know, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's just this thing, okay? But it had a lot of fluffiness to it. Are you with me? Okay. And it was yellow and beautiful and I thought this is perfect for her. And, I, and I'll never forget, we, we get, you know, done with our little vacation stay, i.e. the hospital stay. Um, the more children you have, the more you look forward to those two days where they take your children. Uh, <laughs> during the night, are you, parents, you with me on that, right? <laughs> there, there's no nurse come get your children at 11 o'clock at home. Right, and so I remember, like, we we get through with our little um, our little hotel slash hospital stay. Okay, I've got to take this baby home, and I, I didn't know what it meant to be a parent, and I'm just so nervous, and I was just so overwhelmed with this burden of responsibility, this privilege, and so I'll never forget. I got her this big, warm, fluffy thing, zip up, and I never I put her in it, and I got her all like, I just got her all covered in this thing. She looked like literally a marshmallow with a face. 
okay? Like, there's just like this big ball of cotton with this beautiful little face. And I go to put her in her car seat and I notice that I bought her this like wrap up thing that doesn't have legs. And so now I can't get the thing snapping together because there's nothing for her legs. It's just like a big ball of cotton in a face. And so that was the first indication. I had no idea what I was doing. That would not be the last. Because I finally get her in this car seat and I got her buckled in all tight and to get this little marshmallow there. <laughs> She's in the car seat. We put her in the car seat. We head home and y'all, I was so nervous. And we're driving. This is absolutely the truth. We're driving down the road and I'm saying to my wife, you know, I'm like, hey, is she okay? Is she okay? My wife's like, yes, honey, we just left the hospital. I'm like, I know, but I can't hear her. You know, they got these rear-facing car seats and she's looking out the back window, just taking in life at 50 miles an hour. And I'm up front, I can't, I can't hear. Like, I, she's not crying, she's not whimpering, she's not doing anything. I'm like, I don't know, is she okay? And my wife is like, Corey, she's fine. Honey. Listen, I actually pulled over, this is a true story, I actually pulled over just to make sure she was breathing. And I got in the back seat, I'm holding my finger under her nose and I'm like, are you okay? And then I'll never forget in that moment, my daughter, she spoke the very first words to me. And she said, daddy, you are a moron. I'm fine. You know, and I'm like, so worried. I was just so overwhelmed. I didn't know, right? I was just, just, I couldn't even make it home without stopping to make sure she was okay. And then, you know, you get her home and over the next couple of months, she's just working with this baby. And I'll never forget the day I put her up on the sofa to take a picture and then she fell on the floor. And um, <laughs> hey, we had carpet. It was, it was okay. She was fine. <laughs> she was fine eventually. And um, man, like this, boom, like you're responsible for another life. And there's this huge responsibility, right? And then, and then you just, you start from there. And for those of you who've been through that, you plan to be there one day. Listen, this is the hardest job in the world. And it's a lot of responsibility, right? And it's, it's a big commitment. And, and um, yeah, it's parenting. Listen, there's a reason they call the process of bringing a child into the world labor. <laughs> you ever think about that? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a big deal. But here's the thing. It's totally worth it. Man, it's totally worth it. It's awesome. It's just such a joy. You know, it's such a privilege. It's, man, it's a lot of work. It's this responsibility and it's, uh, it's a game changer, but it's totally worth it. And, and here's where we are on the front lines, you guys. Here, here's where we are. We're in this cultural battle whereby we're being told constantly that children are not a blessing. They're a hindrance to a better life. And you're better off without them or at least without too many of them. And, and if you really wanna be fulfilled, if you really wanna be financially secure, if you really wanna be blessed, then you don't have children or you don't have many of them because children are an obstacle to how you want to live your life. And, and that's a very dangerous way to think about God's design for you in your life. You, you see, in, in our day right now, we have the lowest birth rate in the United States we've ever had. It's come down significantly. Let me, let me give you uh, some, some, some studies on this. Business Insider 
published an article recently. It said, since 1950, the worldwide fertility rate dropped. So check this out. Just so, so in the last 70 years, from 4.7 children to 2.4 children. It's literally half what it was. We, we now know that the birth rate in the United States just from 2019 to 2020 fell by 4% and it's the lowest it's ever been. The New York Times in 2018 published an article that says, quote, the vast majority of women in the United States still have children, but most, the most commonly used measure of fertility, the number of births for every thousand women of childbearing age was 60.2 in 2017, a record low. Here, here's what that means, okay? The, 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 the current average number of children per women who have children is now 1.8. Now, why is that significant? Because it's actually below the replacement level for our population of 2.1. We are no longer replacing our population in the United States. Those of you connected to higher education know that the number one concern for those of us who are connected to higher education is that there are fewer high school graduates than ever before, fewer students potentially to enroll in our higher education institutions because fewer and fewer women are having children and those who are are having fewer of them. Why? Because having children is viewed by many as an inconvenience, a burden, an obstacle. That's why NBC News recently published an article that said this, quote, America's fertility rates are falling. That's cause for celebration, end quote. The article goes on to talk about contraception and abortion as ways to reduce the possibility of having children, which will require something of you that you probably don't want to give. You may have seen this past week, Stacey Abrams, who's running for governor in Georgia, said that having an abortion will help you navigate inflation because children are the primary reason that you're experiencing the pain of inflation. Let me give you an exact quote from Stacey Abrams. This is a direct quote. Having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. It's why you're concerned about how much food costs. For women, this is not a reductive issue, end quote. She says, if you are pregnant, you should have an abortion because children are the reason why you are worried about inflation. And if you don't have children, then you won't have to worry as much about inflation. This is where we are as a society. So I say with all due respect to Stacey Abrams and others like her, I'm not an economist, but I, I do feel confident to say children are not the primary reason we have the inflation we have today. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. I have what I think are some pretty certain reasons why inflation is what it is, but I'll give that talk when I run for governor one day. Um, that's a whole nother thing. But listen, children are not the reason we have inflation. And I just want you to listen to what's out there, okay? From Time Magazine, from gubernatorial candidates, from Business Insider, from NBC, you just name it, what we're being told today 
is that children are are a hindrance to where you want to be in life. And um, I just want you to know, if you're going to be on the front line of upholding God's design, here's what that means. We're going against the grain of where our society is leading us because we believe that being a man or a woman matters, being a man or a woman in God's image matters, being a man or a woman brought together in marriage matters. And for those who are brought together in marriage, having children is a blessing, not a burden. Right? Like, like, that's like we, we embrace that. We, we cherish that. And, and, and we need to stand firm in that because there is a generation coming that, that, that views marriage, family, children as something that's like in the way of a better, more fulfilling life. And they're missing out on what is truly most fulfilling in life. And, and, and God speaks to this, right? Like, like, like we've looked at Genesis 1 in this series. Remember Genesis 1 tells us that man and woman are both created in the image of God. Both have equal significance, although different roles. And God said to both the man and the woman, right, that, that, that they're to exercise dominion over the, the whole earth. In other words, both have leadership responsibilities. Both work hard. Both exercise dominion. God says not only should you exercise dominion, but God says when he brings the husband and the wife together for the first time, he says you should be fruitful and multiply. In other words, I've made you to have a family. You're going to find joy and fulfillment in perpetuating a family. There is tremendous joy, happiness, and fulfillment in having children for those who are brought together to marry, those who are called to marry. And, 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 and even Solomon, right, talks about this. Let me take you to Psalm 127 because Solomon's going to reinforce this same thing. Psalm 127 is what we call a psalm of ascent. Here's what that means. Literally, people would sing the song. Okay, these are songs written originally to be sung by people going to worship at the temple. Literally, the song of ascent means on their way up to the temple, they're singing this song on their way to church. And what are they singing? Well, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builder is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do you no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God is the one who gives rest to his loved ones. Here's Solomon starting out. You can talk about family here in a moment. But he kind of starting out with the context of, listen, if you think you can build your life on anything other than God's design, you are wasting your time. I know you're going to be building something, right? And some of you are thinking, well, wait a minute, I know all kinds of people who don't know Jesus and they built nice houses and nice businesses and they build all kinds of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. The word vanity there or the word worthless or empty there. Okay, here's the idea. It's not in the building, it's in the accomplishing. You can build something all day long. Here's what Solomon is saying. If you don't lean into God's design and live your life the way God has designed you to live it, you're going to build a lot of things that don't stand the test of time. The vanity is not in the building, it's in the accomplishing. We have a great example of this in Genesis 11 with the Tower of Babel. People coming together, they built something great. It got them nowhere. It was vanity, it was emptiness, it was worthless, right? So yeah, you can build a big house or a nice house. What Solomon is saying, if you actually wanna build something that accomplishes something that stands the test of time and outlives you, you better do it leaning in to God's design. You want to raise a family that's a high-impact family? Better lean into God's design. You want to protect a city? You better do more than post centuries. You better lean into the God who ultimately will protect you. 
because your centuries ain't enough. Your building on your own is not enough. Solomon says, lean into the Lord. And I love verse two there because he highlights people who aren't leaning into the Lord, right? People who are anxious, people who are, here, here, here's, here's what Solomon's speaking of here. People who are building on their own strength, their own wisdom, their own prowess, right? They're, they're, they're building, planning, executing all on their own. They think everything rises and falls on them. And they're anxious, unable to rest. And that's why Solomon says, no, it's the Lord who gives to his beloved sleep. You can trust in him. You know, 70 million Americans currently have some type of sleep disorder. More people dealing with anxiety and stress than ever before. I'm sympathetic to some of these folks because listen, for many years I had a sleep disorder. It was called toddlers. (laughs) Anybody else have that one? (laughs) That was a tough one, right? And hey, I I know there are people who have some legitimate issues, no, no question. But you know what I also think is true? There are a lot of people who have some type of anxiety that's preventing them from truly having rest because like Solomon's leaning into here, they're building, 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 building without trusting. And man, they got nowhere to turn for a peace that surpasses all understanding. And it's the Lord who gives to his beloved sleep. Do you realize that every single day of your life, God has hardwired you for a reminder that you need him. Do you know how he's done that? By making you to sleep. I don't know about you, but I can't go a day without a little bit of sleep. There was a time in my life I could, probably not wisely. (laughs) Those days have passed. Every single one of us are made to have rest. Do you realize that God rested on the seventh day of creation, not because he was tired, but because he knew we would be. And I just want you to think about this. This is why God has made you the way he's made you. He's made you every single day at 8, 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night to get weary and tired and need to lay down and sleep as a reminder that you need him. hardwired in your DNA is this need for rest. Why? Because God's reminding you, you need him. And he gives to his beloved sleep, those who are building not on their own strength, not on their own power, not on their own wisdom. Those who are posting sentries, not ultimately trusting in those sentries to protect them. Those who are leaning into the Lord. And then Solomon, having said all of those things, highlights, you know what? Listen, the number one place we need to lean in to the providence of God, and that's in our homes. And here's what he says. Children are a blessing from the Lord. They're a gift from the Lord. Watch this. They are a reward or an inheritance from him. They're not a burden, an inconvenience. No, no, no. Children are a gift. They're they're a reward. Some translations there say an inheritance, right? And he he says this. This is an illustration. He said, like, children are like, right, like, like arrows in, in a warrior's hands, right? What does a warrior need to be effective as a warrior? A weapon, 
right? And for an archer, he's saying children are like the arrows in the satchel of, uh, of an archer. Like how, how awesome is this what he says here in verse five? How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of him. Man, you're a warrior and you have like unlimited arrows in your quiver. Not only are you like that guy in the Lord of the Rings, <laughs> right? But like, you're, you're good to go. And, and, and Solomon's like, that's what children are. Children are a reward. They're an inheritance. They're a gift. They're a blessing. And how joyful is the one who's like got a quiver full of them, right? Like, like, like he's good to go. There are no weaknesses, right? He's always ready to move forward. And he says he'll not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. And so Solomon is saying, listen, we've got to lean into God's design, lean into the Lord. Unless he builds the house, the work of those who are building is wasted. It's in vain. It's empty, right? It's not about the building. It's about the accomplishing. We only accomplish something meaningful purposeful, something that's eternal and lasting by God's grace in his design, right? Our, our need for rest reminds us of that. And then he brings it to a focus by saying, by the way, the number one place you're gonna need the Lord is in your home because parenting is hard. But don't let its difficulty steer you away from God's design. Because in its difficulty, there is blessing that nothing else can equal. And years and years and years ago, Solomon gave us this word because we need it today. Our society needs it today. Listen, those of you students, college students, young professionals, you're thinking about your life and your future, just listen to, the, listen to God's design here. Children are a gift from God. They are a reward. They're an inheritance. They're good. And so just a couple quick takeaways. First of all, I encourage you to make a note of this. Here's how then we approach marriage and family and children and God's design. First of all, we need to acknowledge their benefit. We need to acknowledge their benefit. Children are not like an obstacle to our happiness or our fulfillment. No, 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 they're a blessing. Hey, let, let me, as I've done throughout this series, let me take you to some secular studies to show you, listen, this is true. You can go look it up this afternoon. You'll, here's what you're gonna find. Study after study after study shows us that having children leads to longer life and a more fulfilling life. Let me give you two examples. There was a major research study done in Sweden several years ago. Quote, many studies have found an association between parenthood and lower mortality. Those of us who are parents are like, oh, I thought it was way higher mortality rate being a parent. No, no, it's actually lower. Here's what the study concluded. Quote, the older you get, the greater the advantage of having children. Time Magazine published an article recently, said this, quote, in a study published in 2016, University of California, San Diego scientists found that women who had children later in life were 11% likelier to live into their 90s than women who had children earlier or no children at all. What's more, women who had two to four children were likelier to live longer than women with one child. Study after study after study reminds us of this simple truth. Having children leads to longer life and a more fulfilling life. You know, children are like a means of keeping us unselfish and energetic. And they're a tremendous source of joy and blessing.
it's just hard to fully encapsulate like the joy of, of raising a child. All the ins and outs that come with that. So many meaningful moments, you know. Like, like I'll never forget when my oldest son was little. I don't know, he's three or four years old. And we're sitting around the dinner table one night. And, you know, so many fun things happen around the dinner table. Teachable moments and just, just fun, you know. And, and I'll never forget my son, like, pondering the meaning of life said to me one, one, one evening. He said, Dad, when you drink pop and then you laugh and it comes out your nose, which one hurts worse, Coke, Diet Coke, or Sprite? Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, the pastor's kids, you know, they're memorizing catechisms and, um, you know, they're getting ready for vacation Bible school, right? No, 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 my kids are pondering things like, what burns your nose more when you laugh and pop comes out? I'm like, buddy, I don't know, ask your mother. You know, I don't, I mean, that's like the default, right? You know, I don't, I don't know. And like, I mean, you just think, think of your life, right? And think of what's coming down the road. I, I just, listen, guys, I want you to understand the culture says, oh no, if you have children, it's gonna set you back. If you have children, it's gonna burden you unnecessarily. If you have a family, it's gonna hinder you. And for those of you who are called to marry, listen, and you're able to have children, right? And, 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 and you see favorably, positively, what it means to build something that lasts. Here's what I want you to understand. This is what the Lord's saying to you. Psalm 127, here's what he's saying. Children are like an inheritance, they're a reward. Who in their right mind says, on it, what's the matter? Got another inheritance this week. Went to the mailbox on Friday afternoon. There was a check in there, another inheritance. I don't know what I'm gonna do with all this money. Right? Like who says, oh man, another inheritance. Children are an inheritance. They're a reward. They're a blessing. And whether through birth, adoption, doesn't matter. Here, here, here's, here's, the, here's the design of God that when you welcome children into your family, you're, you're doing a good thing. You're pursuing a course of life that is a blessing to you. And it's not that everyone has to be married. We've talked about that in this series. But for those who are, listen, I just want you at whatever age you get married to see that family, children are not burdens to you to overcome. They are blessings to be embraced. Rewards that God gives to his children. So we need to, first and foremost, acknowledge their benefit. All right. Secondly, just make a note of this. We need to affirm their value. Hey, parents, this is for you and me now. Let me give you a practical takeaway then, all right? We're not only acknowledging their benefit, we need to affirm their value because in parenting, there's a lot of negative reinforcement, right? Don't do this, don't do this. If you do this, here's what's gonna happen. That's a part of parenting. You set guardrails, you discipline and instruct. That's, that's the pattern of scripture. You discipline and instruct, teach and train, teach and train. The word for discipline in the New Testament, same word for training, okay? And parents spend a lot of time teaching and training, teaching and training, teaching and training. Let me just remind those of us who are parents or will be, listen, acknowledging the benefit of our children, God's design to build a home and to build a legacy. Listen to me, here's what that's gonna look like along the way then. Then we need to affirm our children in the midst of teaching and training. They need encouragement. They need affirmation. Here's the reality. We spend a lot of time teaching and training and probably not enough time encouraging and affirming. And, and here, here's the thing. 
I don't think there's ever been a time, at least in American history, when it's been more difficult to raise a child or to be a child than right now. I mean, our kids are bombarded with negativity. They have negative thoughts about themselves. They live in a world where they only know comparison. Social media has made this incredibly difficult. They're dealing with the same temptations you and I dealt with, but yet it's all around them in ways that we never had to deal with it. And there's just this insecurity that's taken root in so many of them. There's just a lot right now to navigate, to manage. And so, and so here's the thing, believing with all of our hearts, contrary to our culture, that children are beneficial, they're good, they're blessings, then, hey, we've got to make sure we affirm that in our teaching and training because you can never over-encourage your children or over-affirm them. And good parenting means that we teach and we train on a foundation of encouragement and affirmation. And so if that's not a part of your regular routine, work that in. I promise you, your kids are never going to come up to you and say, Mom, Dad, would you just stop with all the encouragement? I get it. I'm awesome. (laughs) But when you keep telling me that, it makes me feel bad for all these other kids in my class who are not as awesome as I. (laughs) That day's never coming. And your children need to know that you love them because you love them. If I were to ask you today, hey, why does your heavenly father love you? You know what the only right answer is? Because he loves me. Not because I'm lovable, not because I'm right 80% of the time. (laughs) He loves you unconditionally. You know what that means? He loves you because he loves you. He loves you because you're his son. He loves you because you are his daughter. There will never be anything you do or don't do that causes him to stop loving you. Your father loves you, welcomes you, embraces you, secures your eternity because he loves you that much. And in the same way as a parent, we get to lean into that love, don't we? In a special way. And and that means we need to encourage our children with that. Just just affirm them. I'm just gonna encourage you to build that in, the positive reinforcement along with the negative reinforcement and just remind your children how much you love them, how grateful you are for them, what a blessing they are to you and your family and make sure you're building on a foundation of encouragement and affirmation. Here's what Proverbs 12, 25 says. I love this, right? Worry or anxiety weighs a person down, but an encouraging word cheers a person up. And so here's God's design. We acknowledge the benefit of our children, right? Contrary to our culture. Secondly, then we're gonna affirm their value. Let's, let's be parents who are not only teaching and training, but we're, gonna, we're affirming and encouraging. And finally, here's the most important thing coming out of Psalm 127, the most important thing. We have to trust their heavenly father. I mean, you all know we could take eight weeks and try to navigate different things about parenting, right? Here's my heart today. To affirm that children are blessings, to cultivate a culture here on the front line at Bell Shoals that values children, welcomes children. And then in their raising encourages them, affirms them. And listen to me, parents, those of you who will be parents, just lean into this. This is huge. 
Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Listen to me. You just have to get this, okay? God loves your children more than you. That's not pastor speak. That's real life. Because here what, here's what happens as a parent, okay? I've been through this. When your kids are little, you feel like you have more control than you're actually going to have. You know, when they're little, they're a lot easier to control because we have these things that are like cages for them that I love. I think we call them pack and place. Okay, but you know, like you can control their movements to some extent and you can control who they're around. And yeah, when they're little, like you kind of have this false sense of security. And then if you're not careful, here's what's gonna happen as they get older. They're gonna move into this phase of life called the teenage years where they're becoming young men and young women and they're embracing more freedom and more responsibility and more decision-making and their identity is shifting from their parent to their peer. And now they're more acute aware of everything that's happening around them through social media and their friends and influences and they're going to have to choose a career and they're going to choose a college and they may end up going there and they may spend some time away from you for significant weeks at a time and you're going to realize really, really quickly you don't have as much control as you think you do. But you want to be a man or a woman, a father, a mother in that situation who can still lay your head down on the pillow at night and get rest. Here's what you better understand. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And you need to acknowledge the benefit of your children, affirm them as much as you can, you know, in your teaching and training and all of that. But then listen to me, at the end of the day, we have to trust their heavenly father. He loves them more than we do. And I want to encourage those of you with children, those of you who will be parents in the future, it, I want to encourage you to be praying for your children. Because that is everything, amen? Pray for your children. They're gonna make stupid decisions. They're gonna make unwise choices. They're gonna have to figure some things out on their own. We did, right? And I promise you, if you're not there yet, this day is coming. You're gonna to get to a place where it's gonna be you and your spouse on your knees at your bedside, interceding on behalf of your children because they're now in a stage of life when they've gotta own some things themselves and you don't know which way it's gonna go, but your heavenly father does. And he is a God who is in control of all things. And he is a God who can change the human heart. And he is a God who can steer our decisions in the right direction. And he is a God who forgives. And he is a God who heals. And he is a God who sustains and we lean into that God, right? That's our hope. Yeah, we're going to teach and we're going to train and we're going to encourage and we're going to affirm and we're going to be a faith family on the front line saying we love kids. We love children. We welcome them. They're blessings to us, not burdens. But at the end of the day, we're going to be on our knees understanding that it's the Lord that changes the human heart.